Heavenly Father, we give you thanks, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you want to talk to us. You want to talk with us. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that your spirit is here to speak. And Lord, I thank you that even as we pray to you, that you want to do something very special in our lives, Lord. So today, as I would share this word on prayer and fasting, I ask you that you would touch us and you would cause our lives to be transformed by your into your image, Lord. So, Lord, we just simply give you the thanks and the glory for what you have done and for what you will do to us, do as you speak to us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My message today is on prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. And if I could give a subtitle, the subtitle of this message would be Prayer That Changes Things. Prayer That Changes Things. And there are prayers and there are prayers. Sometimes we say words to God because Prayer is speaking to God. And sometimes we say things and we, we pray, but it is not the prayer that makes a significant difference. And I want to talk today about this prayer that takes us beyond merely repeating words to prayer that actually changes things. There is a passage in the Bible in Matthew chapter 17. And... In this passage in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is away from his disciples and there is this man who has this son who has a problem. And so this man brings this son to the disciples with this problem. And here's the report of this situation. Matthew chapter 17, reading from verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, and he often falls into the fire and often into water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So there is something significant about prayer when it is mixed in with fasting and that's what I want to talk about today and I don't know if you are like me but I grew up in a church from I was a child and very very young but I became a Christian somewhere about age 10 and since that time I have been learning about prayer and fasting and I first learned about prayer through the ACTS method the ACTS method anybody learn that method First, you start with adoration. You, you tell God how much you, you adore him and how much you love him. And then C is for confession. You confess all your sins to God. And then T is for thanksgiving. After you have confessed your sins, you can say, thank you, Lord, for what you have done for me. And, and I, you thank him for things. And then the next one is S. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then S is supplication. That's when you pray for other people. So that's the Acts method of prayer. And I learned that and I followed that method of prayer faithfully. 
then I learned that when you are supplicating, which is asking God for things, then there is the five-finger method. Oh, how many of you learned the five-finger method? Okay, so the five-finger method of prayer is first the thumb, which is the closest finger to your heart. So you pray for the people who are closest to you, your family members, and you pray for your uncle, your nephew, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your cat, your, your parents. That's the, the, the thumb. Then the, your index finger is the pointer finger. See? So you pray for the people who pointed you. So that helps you to know, pray for your pastor and pray for those who are in leadership in the church. That's the, the, the pointer finger. And then this, this, this other finger that's the tallest finger remind us that we should pray for the government. That's the, 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 the heads of the, the land. We should pray for government. And then this finger, if you, you, you put your finger down like this and you try to lift this finger, you can't lift it. It's the, 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 the what's this finger called? It's the, the ring finger. It's actually the weakest finger. You notice that I can't lift it like this? Try it. You can't lift it. It's just, if you try to have all the other fingers down on, on a desk and you try to lift that finger, it, it, it's weak. So it reminds you, by the way, they, they said this finger goes directly to the heart. Anyway, this finger is to pray for the weak. So remember to pray for the weak with this finger. And then you have the little finger. And with the little finger, you need to remember the last person you ever pray for is yourself. And so that's what the little finger is. So you pray for the people who are close to you, the people who pointed you to Christ or who continue to point you to Christ. You pray for the leaders of the land, and then you pray for those who are sick and weak and, and those who are in, in the nursing homes, and then you pray for yourself finally. So that's how I learned to pray. And that was good. And I still think that that is a good method for us to pray. But then when I went to high school, I started to hear about fasting. And we had a Christian organization in our high school that met every single day at lunchtime. And on Thursdays, that was fasting day. And we started by fasting lunch. And they say, all you have to do is just don't eat lunch on Thursday and come to the meeting. That was easy. So we fasted lunch on Thursday, but I'm kind of hardcore. So after a while, I did eat breakfast and lunch, and I'm feeling good about myself. And then I said, yeah, I'm going to try a little longer because I'm, I'm really a hardcore Christian going after God. And so I fasted dinner as well. And guess what happened? I fasted every single Thursday for about 15 years, starting with high school. But then I met Dahlia. And the one-day fast wasn't good enough. When I met daily, I had to start fasting three days. <laughs> but you can see how, as you learn more about fasting, it begins to transform your life. Anyone who doesn't know, this is daily, my wife right here. And she, she, she will, will cause any man to fast. <laughs> because she, she, she just spurs you on to greater things. <laughs> but then, one day, she was, and I mentioned this story, but I didn't tell you this part. One day, she was going to spend a weekend with her sister in Miami. We were living in South Florida at the time, and I decided I'm going to take this time and just seek God. And... So here I am with this three-day period where I'm fasting before God. And I'm seeking God for the prophetic. And so she left on Friday, and this is Sunday morning. And I'm in church in, on the third day of my fast. And I'm there in the service praying to God. And the power of God came upon me. And something I have never heard about before happened to me right in that service when I'm fasting on this third day of my fast. The power of God came upon me so strong that it knocked out my digital watch. Now, my, my watch, I always, I, I'm, I'm not good at telling time sometimes, so I can't read the analog part. So 
the only watch I ever wear is a watch that has the analog and the digital. And when the power of God came upon me, it reset my watch. And that was the first I realized that there is something tangible when you add prayer to fasting. It surprised me. And you know how I know that something just happened at that time? Because my analog clock continued to work because the, the, the digital part just reset to 1-1 one, one and to 12 o'clock. But then the analog part just stopped for like one minute and then it just continued working. So there was a difference in the time of, between the digital and the analog. The power of God came upon me. There is a significant relationship with adding prayer to fasting. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Because the question is, what would you pray if you knew that your prayers had eternal significance? How would you pray if when you, you said a prayer to God, that prayer remained before God forever? I want us to look at Revelation chapter 5. And in Revelation chapter 5, it talks about this throne room of God. And John was invited to come up into heaven. And when John went up into heaven, he saw people before God, before God's throne, just worshiping God. And they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us about the, eight, the, the 4 and 24 elders. And the 4 and 20 elders who, as they stood before God, each had a, a harp in one hand. And we had a harp up here this morning. And so the angels, I don't know if they're, they're, they're super-sized angels or they had little harps. But the angels had a harp in one hand. And, and it tells us that the, the harp is representative of, of, the, of musical worship. They're worshiping God musically. And then verse 8 tells us that there was these bowls full of incense. And you know what it says about the bowls full of incense? These bowls were the prayers of the saints. My brothers and sisters, when you say a prayer, that prayer rises up and it sits in heaven before the throne room of God. And it stays there suspended forever. Notice it says, these are the prayers of the saints just rising up before God. And so, as we pray, we need to understand that God wants us to pray in a certain way because those prayers have eternal significance. So therefore, we need to pray. We need to pray as if our prayers make a difference to God. When, once you understand that your prayers have eternal significance and they sit before the throne room of God in heaven, then it, it transforms how we approach this whole business of prayer. On Thursdays, we have prayer for, for Go Church where we meet at New Life Virginia Beach. And we have a small church, but I was so pleased on Thursday when 20 people were in the room praying. And that is about one quarter of our entire the, the, a group of people who come. And I love that because it means that we are having people who are seeking God in prayer. If you can, try to make it out on a Thursday to pray because the church that prays really experiences God's difference. I want to tell you about how I really began to understand the significance of how prayers can make a difference. I told you a couple weeks ago my story about how I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I started going back to church. And there was this, this young lady by the name of Marlene. And Marlene, one morning, I think it was on a Sunday morning service, I go up to the altar for prayer. 
and she gave me two prophecies, two words of prophecies. And this, at this time, my prayer life was, was really just beginning to not be down like this, but just barely coming back up. And she gave me two words of prophecy. She first said the first thing is that one day you are going to teach people about prayer. That was a left field prophecy because if ever I am going to be teaching people about prayer, it wasn't that time. And the second prophecy she gave me was she said, God has done some things in your life and you're worried about your wife that she's going to be left behind in terms of what the Holy Spirit is doing. But don't worry. One day your wife will be right by your side experiencing the things that you're experiencing. Two words of prophecy. And you can see how that second one is happening right now where Delia is my partner in ministry. But the other part where I would teach people about prayer, that one... I was wondering what she was smoking, you know, because that wasn't me, if anything. But then I started, once we left Jamaica and we came to the, once we left South Florida and we came to, to the Virginia Beach, I started attending New Life Providence Church. And Pastor Dan was going through this period of time where he was teaching about prayer. I think he probably preached on prayer 13 to 20 times for that year and while he's preaching on, on, on prayer he's talking about these weekly prayer meetings and it just goes in one ear and through the other ear maybe just as it is for some people who where we're talking about these prayer meetings on Thursdays and you never think that you should attend but one morning we're going home from church and Dahlia said to me Chris I think you should go to that prayer meeting no the prayer meeting is 6 30 on a Wednesday morning and Dahlia, she is not going to get up out of the bed on Wednesday at 6.30 to go to any prayer meeting. But she's telling me that I should go to the prayer meeting. I tell you why that you have to fast for a few days. So, so he, she says, I think you should go to the prayer meeting. And I said, yeah? Why do you think so? And she said, because they need you there. Would you believe I have never in my life thought I was needed at a prayer meeting? Until she said that. And so I went to this first prayer meeting. At the time, we were meeting at Indian River High School. And so we had prayer meeting at New Life Greenbrier. And so I went to this prayer meeting. And there were just 13 of us in the room. And we sat in a semicircle and we prayed. And Pastor Kevin was on the keyboard. And I found my home. Because I sat in the prayer meeting and something weird happened that never happened to me in a prayer meeting before. I started to weep. And I kept weeping. And so the following week, I went back to the prayer meeting and I'm not praying out. I'm just weeping before God in the prayer meeting. And I couldn't understand what was happening. And then Pastor Kevin came to me one morning. I think Pastor Dan said, Pastor Kevin, go and find out what's going on with him. And so Pastor Kevin met me one day and asked me, what's going on? And he said, you know what's going on? He asked me and then he told me. He said, you are an intercessor. Nobody had ever called me an intercessor before. But you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that every Christian is called to be an intercessor because what we are doing is we are following the greatest intercessor. And Jesus Christ is this person who sits before God and he, the Bible tells us he makes intercessions for us. So if we want to follow his examples, we need to also be intercessors where we sit in the place of just crying out to God. And so he, Pastor Kevin said I was an intercessor. And because of what was happening in those prayer meetings, Pastor Dan decided, I'm not sure if this is, is what happened why he made that decision. But Pastor Dan said, we're going to have a month of prayer. And so we had this month of prayer in August. And that was big, big trouble. Because I went to these prayer meetings and I bawled the entire month of August. 
I don't know if anybody was there during that first month of prayer that we had at New Life Providence Church, but every meeting, I, I, I couldn't understand what was happening, why I was just crying and crying and crying like that. But here's what I have discovered. Something was being birthed in the spirit at that time, and I didn't understand what was happening to me and why I was crying that much, but God was birthing something in the spirit. And Pastor Dan will tell you that that first month of prayer is when New Life Providence Church turned the corner. At the time, we were about 600, 700 people, and our numbers just went like this. From the, the 13 people we had in prayer meetings, we started having more and more prayer meet, more and more people attending the prayer meetings until one day Pastor Dan asked me to become the prayer coordinator for New Life Providence Church. And that was big trouble because I'm hardcore. And so as a prayer coordinator, when we had our month of prayer, we had the first year 77 prayer meetings that, that month. Plus, we had a whole week long of prayer. And our church changed. Now if you go to a prayer meeting at New Life Providence Church, you'll have 80 to 90 people. Sometimes we have as many as 300 people. Because the spiritual atmosphere changed with our church. And so I want to ask you, is God waiting for you to open a certain door? Is God looking on you to be the person who is going to transform something in the spiritual atmosphere? There was an example I had where Dalian and I were leading the singles ministry at New Life Providence Church for a while, and we decided that we were going to have a local mission strip. And we were in the area just around CBN. There's a general street area. If you pass CBN and you reach the first light, you make a going towards New Life Providence, you make a left turn. There is an area there right now, they have some houses there. But at the time, we were seeking to find a permanent home for our church. And so we thought that this area that was available, we would be able to build a church there. And so we decided that we're going to go there and we're going to pray, pray a walk, that little atmosphere, that, that little area for houses. It didn't happen. Right now, there is a housing project there, a housing complex there. But after we prayed over that area, that land, for God's presence to come, we decided that we would prayer walk the streets. And so we're prayer walking the streets, and we are passing on this, this street called Tompkins Lane, and we see a Hebrew school, the Hebrew Academy of Tidewater. And as we're praying and we're prayer walking, we're walking by and we just put our hands over the street, the school, and say, Lord, we claim that school for you. And we continued walking and we say prayers because that's what we were doing. We were just praying and claiming everywhere in the area. Little did we know that two years later, we would have bought the Hebrew Academy of Tidewater. And that's where New Life Providence Church is right now. I'm not saying that it was just our prayers that made that difference. What I'm saying is that God used us to claim something for him in the spirit. And sometimes God is simply waiting on our prayers to make the difference. So could you be the person that God is causing, asking to, to make a difference? Because God is looking for ordinary people to do extraordinary things through him. You might consider yourself to be no big Christian. I do as well. I don't consider myself to be this, this, this great person before God, but I'm simply a person who says I'm going to be obedient to you, God, and I'm going to use, allow you to, to use me. There was this man by the name of Reese Howells. And Reese Howells is known for being a person who caused the spiritual atmosphere to change through his intercession. And I'm going to show you a, a little video clip right now 
that showed how Reese Howells, when he prayed and he had his Bible College of Wales pray about certain things, what happened was that God allowed Reese to pray and they would pray something today and then you would read that same thing that they prayed tomorrow in the newspaper because God wants to use his people to unlock certain things in the spirit. And so this is going to be talking about the war years when Reese Howells and his intercessors were praying to see what God wants to do. Let's watch this clip. Throughout the war years, the whole college was in prayer every evening from 7 o'clock till midnight. They never missed a day. Plus, there were many special periods when the entire day was given wholly to prayer and fasting. While soldiers across the water were retreating mile by mile and whole countries surrendering to the Nazi regime, the prayer warriors at the Bible College of Wales were on their knees, holding fast the victory by faith. Rhys Howells kept prayer notes during the war, and reading through these gives us an insight into the sheer intensity of their prayer meetings at this time. I have an extract here that he wrote two days after Winston Churchill called on the whole nation to pray. This was the same day that Rhys and those at the college believed they'd received full assurance from God of victory. Tuesday, 10th of September, 1940. What if millions of prayers went up on the National Day of Prayer and no one had believed? After the victory of Sunday, there is great liberty to pray that God will really deal with the devil in the Nazis and put an end to this wicked system. Our prayer for London is that God will turn the tide now and save life. I remember the war particularly because I used to share a room, a bedroom, with Auntie Peg until I was about, I suppose, 11, 12, and then I went into a hostel. But in the early days, of course, the war was still on, and they had the uh, Mumbles Road guns, and they'd be booming away, and sometimes more so than others, you know, when Swansea got quite a bombing. Mr. Howard really believed that God would keep the college, you know, from any harm, and it, he did too. We didn't have anything at all here. Although there were sentry bombs all around us, you know, but no, nothing at all in the college. Wednesday, 11th of September, 1940. The Battle of Britain over London and the south of England is at its fiercest. There have been so many places bombed in London. Even Buckingham Palace has been touched. I was burdened to pray for the King and Queen, and I believe our prayer will be answered. I am just watching how God will take hold of the enemy. Thursday, 12th of September, 1940. We prayed last night that London would be defended and that the enemy would fail to break through and God answered prayer. Unless God can get hold of this devil and bind him, no man is safe. If we have protection for our properties, why not get protection for the country? What wonderful days these are. When taking a look at Winston Churchill's war memoirs, he gives September the 15th, 1940, as the culminating date in the Battle of Britain. Churchill watched that day from the RAF operations room as enemy squadrons flew across the country and British fighters went up to meet them. Then the situation became very grave as Britain's reserves literally ran out. If the enemy persisted, Britain could have fallen to the Nazis. But for some reason, the German bombers headed home just when victory was in their grasp. Air Chief Marshal Lord Dowding, who was Commander-in-Chief of Fighter Command in the Battle of Britain, said, at the end of the battle, one had the sort of feeling that there'd been some very special divine intervention to alter some sequence of events which would have otherwise occurred.
So there you can see how in this middle of a war, when it was obvious that they were going to lose, something supernatural happened. You know why that something supernatural happened? Because there were people who were praying. Because what happened is, they were not only praying, but they were also fasting. And that changed something in the atmosphere. And your prayers and your fastings will make a difference. The Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, that a people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And God wants you to carry out great exploits for him. And that happens when you add prayer to your fasting. Add fasting to your prayer. So let me talk about why fasting makes a difference. Fasting is primarily the act of willingly abstaining from some or all food, drink, or both for a period of time. And I want you to understand that fasting is not negotiating with God. You're not saying, Lord, if I starve myself, do this. That's not how it works. The next thing is that fasting minus prayer is equal to starvation. If you're simply going to refrain from eating food and you don't do any prayer, you're just simply starving yourself. And so we need to understand that we have to do something that will add prayer to fasting, which will give it a dynamic power that we haven't seen before. Fasting is about obedience and positioning ourselves in the prayer, in the place of humility before God. And why do we need to fast and, and position ourselves in this place of humility before God? Because what we have done, we have found is that from as far back as the fall of Adam, from the fall of Adam, we have placed our appetites before ourselves. We have been led by our appetites. And so what fasting does is it realigns ourselves in subjection to who God is. And as we realign ourselves, we find that the power of the Holy Spirit is released. Because if we're standing over here, we're not in the center of power. If we're standing over here, we're not in the center of power. But what fasting does is it takes us to where the flow of God's presence is. And when we find ourselves in that flow, mighty things happen. So let me give you some quick rules about fasting. These are quick rules. I'm not going to take much time with it. Number one, fasting is to be a normal part of every Christian life. Notice that Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 said, when you fast, not if you fast. So it's expected that Christians are going to be fasting. Now, I'm not saying that this is a, a commandment in the sense of the, the Ten Commandments that Jesus has given. But I believe that after you understand the power that is involved when you add fasting to your prayers, that you will want to fast. The next thing is, it is, it is okay for you to let someone know that you're fasting. Now, in this passage that I was talking about, Jesus says, when you fast, don't, don't pretend as if you're, you're fasting and don't, don't announce it to everybody. And so what he's really talking about here is hypocrisy. But then sometimes Christians do the reverse. You're fasting and someone says, hey, let's have dinner tomorrow. No, I can't go tomorrow because I, I have a meeting. You don't need to lie to somebody, man. If somebody asks you, you can tell them you're fasting. It's okay. The difference is that while you don't have to lie, don't advertise your fast. Some people, when they're fasting, they like to go around and they say, I'm fasting. And it's like being a hypocrite as if you're, you're doing this to, to receive a reward. And sometimes we are very subtle with it. And we, we we, we're not telling anybody that we're fasting, but we walk around with a big bottle of water. That's the Christian way of telling, I'm fasting. And every five seconds, you have to take a sip of that big bottle of water. Don't do that. If you're fasting, keep it to yourself. If somebody asks you, it's okay for you to tell them that you're fasting. That's fine. Make sure that you are healthy enough to fast. If you are going to fast, there may be some situations that will cause you not to be able to fast. Now, what I mean by that is, for example, someone who is diabetic. 
If you're diabetic, you need to have regular meals in the day. And that, those regular meals that you're going to have might be to keep your blood sugar level up to a certain weight, certain level. So if you're going to be fasting and you haven't been doing this before, speak to your doctor. But at the same time, don't be led by your doctor as far as if you're healthy. Let me explain what I mean. If you have a doctor who is not a Christian, that doctor might not understand why you want to fast for 21 days. If the doctor gives you the okay that you are healthy, don't let your doctor be the one who determines if you can do a 21-day fast or not. No, this is, a, is cause for you to be talking to God and, and, and use wisdom. So I'm not saying uh, disobey your doctor's commands. What I'm saying is use wisdom, but don't be led by the words of somebody else because they might not understand why you would want to fast. The next thing is you may not see the results immediately. Sometimes you fast and you expect that today is the third day and I'm fasting. At the end of day number three, whoosh, God is going to do something fantastic and it doesn't always happen. But even though you may not see something happen, something might be changing in the spiritual realm that you don't see. I remember when I was an athlete in high school and don't, don't, I, I know you know that I'm an athlete from you see these, these rippling muscles and so you, you know. But I, I was not just an athlete. I was one of these, these straw, I was a discus thrower. And I had a record that lasted for about 15 years, believe it or not. So I was good. Anyway, so after we, we exercise, we would use our handkerchiefs all this time that we're exercising and our faces would be, would be completely wet and the, the handkerchief would be completely wet. So we would just go under the pipe and we would wash our pipes, or wash our handkerchiefs under the pipe. You had about four pipes at our high school, and so we'd go, go and wash our pipes. And so you have one line of these athletes, and they're washing their handkerchiefs. And then I come, and I'm going, and I'm just joining everybody, and they're talking and laughing as boys do. And I go, and I'm washing my handkerchief, and everybody stop. And I'm not paying any attention, and I am keep washing. And I notice that nobody's talking, and everybody's eyes are on me. So I turned around and said, what? And someone said, you wash your clothes at home. Now, I was upset. I thought that every 14-year-old boy washed their clothes at home. My mother was cheating me. So I asked them, yeah, how do you know? Because when I washed, all, in, we, we, were, we didn't have washing machines at the time. And when you wash... The women, the old women who wash, you would have a, a sound that goes, squirp, 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 squirp. No, everybody else was washing and their, their washing was... But when I started to wash, you heard the squirp, squirp, squirp. No, I didn't realize that nobody else was squirping because it was just natural when I washed it, the squirp, squirp, squirp. See, sometimes when you are fasting, you're not seeing the results but something is happening and your muscles are developing and you are growing from strength to strength and when you are in your closet praying by yourself, you don't see it, but when you step out in the public, people suddenly realize that person had been fasting because I see the results of what they are praying about. So you need to add fasting to your prayer. Let me hurry on. If you're going to fast, have some spiritual goals. Is your goal to get closer to God? Is it because you're praying for salvation of a loved one, restoration of a relationship? Need, you need to know what you're going to fast about before you start fasting. Remove the distractions. Sometimes TV is good. You keep up with the news. You keep up with the internet. But sometimes when you're fasting, you need to say, okay, for this period of time, no television, no internet, because I am seeking hard after God, because I want to be a person who is going to change nations. Set particular times to be alone with God. I know that some of you are busy. I'm busy too. But when you're busy, 
you need to find a way that you're going to take the time to just be alone with God. And even if you have to work, you might just need to say, during my work time, I am going to be working with my whole heart, but my heart and my mind is still on God. And while I'm, 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 I'm typing, and I'm going to, for the next page, I'm saying, Lord, just, just, just touch this person. And you keep praying before God. The Bible says that we should pray without ceasing. So how do we know what type of fast we should do? There are many different types of fast, and we're going to go through these as well. But the fast that makes a difference to God is the fast that makes a difference to you. Meaning, if you are going to fast and you don't feel any effects from the fasting and you're cheating on your fast, then it's not really fooling God. He knows that you're really cheating on your fast. So you determine what type of fast through prayer God wants you to do. So there are different types of fasts. There's a partial fast. And the partial fast, there are different types of partial fasts. The first one is if you're fasting from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., then there's a partial fast where it's a fast not of length, but a fast of substance where you're going to not eat certain types of foods and you're going to eat certain other types of foods. Then there's the full fast. The full fast is where you decide that I'm not going to eat anything, but you can still drink water or you can still drink fruit juices, nothing sweet like sugar or so, that's a full fast. Then there is what we call the absolute fast. The absolute fast is where you have no food or no water, no drink or anything like that for the entire duration of your fast. And the Bible has evidence of all of them. I'm not going to go through these right now. I'm just going to give you the addresses, and you can look them up. But the first one is a one-day fast. Judges chapter 20, verse 26, where Israel were fighting against Benjamin, and when they fought before Benjamin, they fasted for one day. That's a one-day fast. Then there's the three-day fast, and the three-day fast that Esther had in Exodus chapter 4, verse 16, was an absolute fast, meaning nobody eat or nobody drink anything for these three days, and if you're healthy, trust me, you can survive three days without food or drink. I'm not saying that's what you need to do. Fasting is going to be dependent on what you and God decide. Don't let anybody else tell you what type of fast you should do. But Esther's fast was a three-day absolute fast. Then there's a seven-day fast in 1 Samuel chapter, 7, chapter 31, verse 13, where after Saul died, the men fasted for seven days. Then we have the Daniel fast. And there are two main types of Daniel fasts. And I'm going through these quite quickly. And I'll put up the PowerPoint online this week. But the Daniel fast is where you fast from vegetables and water. Meaning you don't eat any special foods. What was happening is that the, the, the men wanted to fatten Daniel and all these people with the king's delicacies. And Daniel says, no. Just feed us vegetables and waters for 10 days and see how it goes. And they said, all right, we'll do it. But the king is not going to be pleased. But then after 10 days, they were better looking and more healthy than everybody else. That's a Daniel fast. The real Daniel fast is actually a 21-day fast. And the 21-day fast is where you have no pleasant food, meat, or alcohol. And... I'm not just sharing about these fasts. I've already mentioned that I have been fasting every single week for many years. And I've not been doing that recently, and I'll explain that in a second. But the 21-day fast, I've been on two 21-day fasts, and those were the most difficult fasts I went. The first one was easy because I had juice, and I had some nutrients from the juice. But my second 21-day fast, was a fast where I was just drinking water and I was working and I was doing everything else and it was really tough for me, but God broke through. Then there is the 40-day fast. The 40-day fast is a special fast that usually precedes a new era of ministry or the birthing of something in the spirit. So either God is 
ushering you into something and he wants you to make this special 40-day fast. Or it can just be that God wants to birth something through you in the spirit. And this is the fast that you need to be called to do the 40-day fast. You don't fast for 40 days because Mike Bickley is having a 40-day fast and you want to participate. I've seen people do those fasts. And I've seen people because there is a, everybody is doing this 40-day fast, they're fasting with them, but they're eating ice cream in the evening or they're eating. Don't try to fool God. Let God lead you as to which fast you should do. I've been on a 40-day fast, and incidentally, when I went on my 40-day fast, that was the time Pastor Dan asked me to become the prayer coordinator at New Life Providence. He didn't know I was doing a 40-day fast, but God was birthing something in me, in the spirit, and that helped to catapult the movement of prayer that was at New Life Providence. And after a period of three years, God moved me from that position and allowed other people to come and, and, and take over. So after I've shared with you about all of these fasts, and I'm coming to an end in a couple of minutes. Oh, I, I promised you I would, would tell you why I, I, I'm not on my regular one-week fast. I was hardcore, and in being hardcore, you need to sometimes use wisdom, and I wasn't using wisdom. I would, I, I would just go hard, not eating food or drink, and then I went through a period where my stomach was, was not in the best of health, not because of these years of denial, but because I was just having some reactions to food. And so I said what I would do is just give myself a little period of recuperation. So that's why I'm not doing the regular what I used to do. But I still am a person who believes in fasting. Whenever I need to seek God for something, I'm fasting, especially like when we were starting Go Church. Okay, so why go through all of this? Why inflict pain on yourself? Because God wants to do something, and our ways are not exactly God's way. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my way, your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God wants to do something through you, and he will use the vehicle of getting you in alignment with what he wants to do to bless. And he is not going to do certain things unless he does it through you, unless you first speak the words. I'm going to end by sharing this story that I shared a couple of weeks ago. But this story is a story about how fasting takes us beyond ourselves and releases the supernatural. And I mentioned this woman who broke through in the spirit. Her name was Hannah. I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago about her. But Hannah was this woman who was barren and she needed to have a breakthrough in the spirit. And she sought the Lord because every time she would go to the temple to, to, to worship, this other wife of this man would be always teasing her. The man was Elkanah, and the other wife was Miss Penny, as I mentioned, Penina. And here's something I kept missing about this story with Hannah. The Bible says every year she went to the temple, she fasted, and she prayed. I always thought it was just one time she was fasting and praying to God. But I was surprised when I realized that Hannah went to the temple and she fasted and she prayed year in, year out before God. Sometimes it's going to take perseverance for you to break through in the spirit. And when she finally broke through, the Lord gave her a son by the name of Samuel. And remember I said in Samuel chapter 1, chapter 3 verse 1 where it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days but when we go to Samuel chapter 19 we see something different where Samuel is is now in the, the, the group of what we call the school of prophets and no longer is the word of the Lord rare but now we have a school of prophets and Saul the king 
is going and, and, and he's, he's trying to, to destroy the prophet, the, the prophet of God. And he enters into the, the vicinity of the power of God's presence. And Saul himself begins to prophesy. And, and people were saying, is Saul numbered among the prophets? And what happened was that because of this, this breakthrough that this woman had when she persevered year in, year out, year in, year out, what happened was that the power of God so enveloped the entire city and community that even people who weren't God's people experienced the presence of God. Don't we want to see that breakthrough? Let's be determined. Let's add fasting to our prayers. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're calling us, Lord, to live lives that glorify you. I thank you that, Lord, you're calling us to go the extra mile, Lord. I call you that, I, I, I thank you that you're calling us, Lord, to add fasting to our prayers so that the spiritual atmosphere will be changed. Lord, we don't understand why you would call us to, to speak the word so that the world will be transformed. We don't understand why you choose to partner with us in this way, Lord. But I ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit that, Lord, you would speak to us in such a way, Lord, that we would recognize the need to seek you with our whole hearts, Lord. Father, you're calling us to a life of prayer and fasting. And I ask you, Lord, even as we add fasting to our prayer, that we would realign ourselves in the flow of your Spirit, that your Spirit would just pour out of us, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit, in your power. Church, I ask you to stand right now. And I've shared this message about prayer and fasting and I want to ask this morning will you be the one who would have a renewed commitment to spending time in prayer and fasting before the Lord if you will just raise your hand right now and just keep them up Lord I pray for each person whose hand is raised right now Lord I ask you Lord by the power of your spirit that you would touch my brothers and sisters Lord Lord, you're calling us to a deeper place in you. You're calling us, Lord, to walk the way you want us to walk, Lord. A life of being an intercessor. And so I pray for your people even now, Lord. I ask you, Lord, that as we add fasting to our prayers, that we will see the breakthrough, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Come and touch your people, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. May your spirit just be poured out on my brothers and sisters, Lord. Father, you're calling us to a deeper walk with you. You're calling us to go the extra mile. You're calling us to turn down our plates, Lord, and to see your power released. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill your people. See these hands, Lord God. And Lord, know that their hearts are for you. My brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his Shalom, shalom, his perfect peace. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel. And wherever you are, know that Jesus is with you even until the end of the earth. God bless you all.